بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحابه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome to another edition of Al-Fiqh ala al-Madhahib al-Arba'a that is jurisprudence according to the four schools of thought. I'm your host Muhammad Musa Bera and with me in the Johannesburg studios is Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussain. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaykum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Inshallah Mufti Sab, today we will be discussing nikah. Mufti Sab, we start up with the first question. What is the meaning of nikah? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد All praise is due to Almighty Allah the sustainer, nourisher and cherisher of this universe Peace, blessings and salutations be upon our beloved master and leader Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Nikah has two meanings The Arabic language is such a rich language that it does depend in which context it is used One meaning of nikah is to combine, and that meaning is self-explanatory, that here we have two people, a male and a female, who are now coming together, inshallah, for the rest of their lives. So therefore we call this union ziwaj, or we call it nikah in the Arabic language. The second meaning of nikah, and it is used in that meaning as well in the Qur'an, and that is to fulfill the conjugal rights of one's partner. So that meaning also has been used for nikah. Jazakallah Mufti Saab, we move over to the next question, and it reads, Is nikah encouraged or is it only permissible in Islam? When one studies the noble Qur'an and the sunnah, the teachings and the practice of the master Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. One will find definitely that it is not only permissible, but it is something highly recommended and encouraged in Islam. For example, the Quran teaches us, وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا رُسُلًا مِّنْ قَبْلِكَ And indeed we have sent messengers before you, O Nabi Muhammad وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُمْ أَزْوَاجًا وَذُرِّيَّا And we made for them that they had wives and they had children and offspring. So this shows clearly that every messenger of Almighty Allah who came to this planet was married that is the exception of Nabi Yahya والسلام, because the Quran says that he was one that he did not get married but that does not mean Allah forbid that there was something wrong with him no he did not get married to show that that also is permissible but recommended and highly encouraged is to get married and even Nabi Isa والسلام, when he comes back he after the second returning then he will get married and have children and that is the belief of the Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah so from there we can understand that it is something meritorious and virtuous similarly in the hadith of Nabi alayhi salatu salam as mentioned in Tirmidhi the master Nabi alayhi salam said Arba'um min sunan al-mursaleen four actions are the habit and it is something which the Anbiya and Prophet used to do regularly so what are the four things Al-Haya They had the quality of shame and modesty. What the attur and they used to use the perfume and fragrance was siwak and they would use miswak as well when nikah and nikah. So it shows that Quran and Sunnah highly encourages us that we get married. And when we look at the Sahaba, radiallahu ta'ala anhum, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala used to say, it was a hypothetical statement. But he said that if I know 
Dad, it is only 10 days left for me in this world, and after 10 days I'll die, so still I would get married. Let us to makhafat al-fitna, with the fear of falling into certain vice. So it shows how important it is in Islam. And obviously there are many, many other verses in the Quran. For example, Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about, Wallahu ja'ala lakum min anfusikum azwaja, wa ja'ala lakum min azwajikum banina wa hafada, that Almighty Allah Azza wa Jalla has created for you from within yourselves, your wives and your husbands, meaning your partners. So Allah has made it from the same species, the same type. It is not we are marrying someone alien. So a male marries a female and after that union, then we are blessed with children or and then after that we have grandchildren. So it shows that this process must continue and Almighty Allah Azza wa Jalla has allowed and encouraged this nikah so that the reproduction and a human being can continue and that is why Nabi alayhi salatu salam in the hadith has said an nikah min sunnati that nikah is my sunnah so meaning it is my way of life and in another hadith Nabi alayhi salam said فَمَرْ رَغِبَ an sunnati فَلَيْسَ minni whosoever turns away from my sunnah then they are not of my path on the right path so they are not emulating the master Nabi alayhi salatu salam so these are reasons that we as Muslims should always encourage, especially parents, they should encourage their children that once they are responsible enough that they get married and obviously that they should look for a person who is compatible for their son or daughter. Jazakallah Mufti Sahib, we move over to the next question and it reads, what are the aims and objectives of nikah? When we study the Noble Qur'an, we'll find the answers for all our questions and then the Sunnah of Nabi Wasallam expounds and elaborates on that. Let's take for example any normal human being. Every normal human being has two desires. One is Shahwatul Faraj and one is Shahwatul Batan. That is the desire of the private part that every human being has, a normal human being. And we find that shahwatul button, that we have the desire that, you know, when we are hungry, then we normally say a hungry man is an angry man. So, yeah, Almighty Allah Azza wa Jalla is addressing this very issue. And Almighty Allah says, Wamin ayatihi. It is the signs and symbols of Almighty Allah. It shows only Almighty Allah can do this. No person, no government, no individual can do so. And a khalaqa lakum min anfusikum azwaja. That Almighty Allah Azza wa Jalla has created for you, for your benefit. From your own selves, your own species, your own kind, your spouses. So for the male, the female, and for the female, the male. The first reason Allah says, لِتَسْكُنُوا ilayha. Once you enter matrimony, then you should experience sukoon, peace, tranquility, serenity. If in a marriage there is no peace, tranquility, serenity, then one of the main objectives and one of the main aims of marriage is already defeated. Therefore, we say home sweet home. We go for holiday. We go for or go overseas for business or whatever. And what happens? When we come back home, we are there in the arms of our wives, or we are there with our the wife goes for Umrah or Hajj or whatever with her son or brother. Then she comes home. She knows that this is a place where she is in peace and tranquility. So litaskunu ilayha. So this sukoon. So when a person is not married, then that person cannot find the true peace and tranquility. So that is the beauty of Qur'an. 
and then the Quran goes on and says, وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةَ وَرَحْمَةً That first the marriage and then Almighty Allah brings about that love and that mercy. That the husband starts loving his wife and and the wife does the same. And then in their old age, now they are married for 30, 40, 50 years. Obviously that love now is not the aim, but it is the compassion and the mercy. Look at the beauty of Quran. Therefore this verse Almighty Allah ends it with and says, إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمِ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ In this there are signs and lessons actually for those who wonder, ponder and reflect. So that would be our first purpose. Second purpose and aim and objective of marriage would be that how many options do we as human beings have for reproduction? One is Allah forbid, Allah forbid, that we debase and degrade ourselves to the level of animals and everybody just fulfills his or her lust with anybody. So obviously that no religion would allow and more so Islam would not allow that. So Islam has instituted nikah and nikah is that institution. Never mind in this dunya, it will carry on in the year after also. Yea, in this world, ordinary mortals like us perform the nikah and solemnize it. But in the year after, Almighty Allah says, وَزَوَّجْنَاهُمْ بِحُورٍ عِينٍ Almighty Allah Azza wa Jalla will perform the nikah himself with the beautiful women and damsels of Jannah. So we can from understand from this verse the significance and importance of nikah. So the institution of nikah has come so that this human race can continue. And Islam has not only said that we must get married, but Islam said that it is a happy occasion. It should be done in the masjid and it should be announced. So all this is done so that people now are fulfilling their lust and passions in a lawful manner. Tomorrow when that woman gives birth, after one year, five years she gives birth, no one can point the finger towards her. So therefore Islam has placed all these checks and balances there. So that would be the second reason for reproduction. The third reason is we human beings, we are social animals. We cannot live individually. Almighty Allah has made us dependent on one another. A person who is an engineer or a doctor or whatever, a mufti, a alim, a imam or sheikh, whatever, we depend and we are in need of other people. So now Almighty Allah has placed this. The male needs the female. The female needs the male. Every father, every person desires and has that ambition to become a parent. So now that experience to hold your own child in your hands. So what is all this? So these are the aims and objectives. And when we study the wonderful hadiths of Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, then Nabi alayhi salam said as mentioned in the Sunan, Tazawwajul wadud al-walud marry a lady who is loving how will you know she's loving when you study her family history her sisters her aunties and al-walud that she can give birth also so you study that family history because I will be the one who will have the largest amount of people following me on day of Qiyamah so it shows that these are the aims and objectives in Islam for marriage Jazakumullah khairan Muftisa for that explanation. If you just join us, the program is called Al-Fiqh Al-Madhahib Al-Arba, that is jurisprudence according to the four schools of thought. And today our topic is Nikah. We have a wonderful question lined up and it reads, Which type of spouse should one choose? 
What we need to do here, Hafsab, is that we need to analyze or address this question from two sides. For example, as a parent, a person has a daughter, and now, in Arabic, there's a proverb, "Hamul banat ilal mamat." When a person has daughters, then they're always concerned about them till death. When they are young, we worry about them, their health and their features and whatever else. Then when they grow up, they must get a good proposal and a good spouse. Then will this marriage work out or not? Will they be a good wife and a good mother? So all these are concerns and which are valid in Islam. So look at one hadith. This one hadith will clarify the entire issue which Nabi alayhi salatu salam mentioned. And our mother Sayyida Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha has mentioned it as well. Nabi alayhi salatu salam said, Man zawwaja kareematahu min fasiqin faqad qata'a rahimaha. The master Nabi alayhi salatu salam said, Whosoever got Karimatahu, look at the wonderful word Nabi alayhi salam used. Whosoever got his beloved daughter, his honorable daughter, min fasiqin, to a person who is of open sinner, transgressor, he is on drugs, he does not read salat, he is a person that does not bother about Islam, hajj might be compulsory upon him, but he laughs it off, and he says next year, I'll go when I'm old, and we find so many examples like that in today's society. So whosoever gets his honorable and beloved daughter married to a fasiq, then you father, you mother, فَقَدَ قَطَعَ You have severed the family ties with her. You have caused problems for her rather than solving her problems. Rawah ibn Hibban. Ibn Hibban has mentioned this and Ibn Hibban has mentioned this in several places in his works. Nevertheless, our mother uh, Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha says, فَلْيَنْذُرْ أَحَدُكُمْ أَيْنَ يَدَعُ كَرِيمَتَهُ That each one of you should reflect, wonder and ponder, where are you placing and giving your daughters, your beloved daughters? So a teaching of the Master Nabi alayhi salam, of our spiritual mother Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, this is the mistake, many a time, done in the past, currently being done, and will be done in the future also. Those of us who have daughters, what must you make the criteria when you give the answer? Nabi alayhi salatu salam said as mentioned in Tirmidhi Sharif, إِذَا خَطَبَ إِلَيْكُمْ مِمَّنْ تَرْدَوْنَ دِينَهُ وَخُلُقَهُ When the proposal comes from ABC, XYZ or whoever, and you are pleased with the deen of the person, his belief system is correct, and he is a good Muslim, his character is upright. For so would you then get that daughter of yours married to that person. For illam tafal, if you do not do so, takun fitnatun fil ardi wa fasadun arith, then there will be turmoil, chaos on this earth. Now imagine, do we really make this the criteria when people come to propose for our daughters, sisters, or nieces? Very seldom. Our criteria in today's world is what's the bank balance, what car do they drive, which type of cell phones and which type of uh, furniture will they give. And that the secondary issues today have become, the the material issues have become the primary issues and therefore we find Allah forbid, Allah forbid, but we are causing destruction to the very fabric of Muslim society. For the male, 
when you want to get married. Nabi alayhi salatu salam answered it. And Nabi alayhi salatu salam said, Tunkahul mar'ali arba'in. Normally a woman, if she gets married, a person looks at four things. Limaliha, that you look at the wealth. Or jamaliha, that you look at her beauty and her features and complexion and whatever else. And wali hasabiha, that you look at her family, lineage, her background and whatever. Some hadiths got hasab and some got nasabiha. And wali diniha, her piety. Fazfar bidati deen. And you will be successful if you look at deen. So that should be the main criteria. When a person does not look at deen, then obviously we find so many problems. Nabi alayhi salatu salam said, La tazawwajun nisa li husnihinna. Don't marry the women only for their beauty. Yes, there should be beauty. But we're not saying now you must go marry a woman who's not beautiful. No. She should be beautiful and attractive. But don't make that priority number one. For asa husnuhunna, that perhaps that beauty will be removed from her. And do not get married to them لِأَمْوَالِهِنَّ For their wealth Because فَأَسَى أَمْوَالُهُنْ Because that wealth of theirs could be snatched away But marry them for the sake of deen So that should be the intention Now these are wonderful teachings of the Master Who was رَحْمَةٌ لِلْعَالَمِينَ Who is and will always be رَحْمَةٌ لِلْعَالَمِينَ The mercy to the entire creation of Almighty Allah So when we have to make decisions, all these factors should play an important role, an important uh, decision at the times of making decision. This should be given importance because they are the teachings of the Master, Nabi alayhi salatu Jazakallah Mufti Sab. We carry on with a discussion on nikah. What is the verdict regarding nikah? Regarding the verdict is now what will we say is nikah compulsory or is it encouraged or is it permissible? So we will say it depends on circumstances. Let's take circumstances. There is a person. He is a person who has the wealth. Physically also he is healthy. And he fears that if he is not going to get married immediately, he will fall into vice. And we know today's world that where the models are thrown out of the window and everything almost is available at a price, so in a case like that, for that person to safeguard his chastity, to safeguard his own iman and his private part and whatever else, in a case like that, then it becomes wajib and compulsory for him to get married because he fears that he will commit vices and sin either with, uh, in a haram way and whatever else. If a person is the second situation and scenario that the person is in such a condition that he knows he can control his lust and passions, then in that case, there and he is physically also, uh, he is a person who does not impotent, he doesn't have illnesses and sicknesses of that nature, and he has the financial means as well to support his wife, then it is sunnah, and that is the verdict of majority of the scholars, Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, Rahimahullah, and so forth. However, Imam Shafi rahimahullah in this case says that it is better for this person if he is sure that he will not fall in vice that he 
gets involved in ibadat and he delays the nikah. That is according to Imam Shafi rahimahullah only. But the vast majority of scholars disagree with Imam Shafi rahimahullah and this is what fiqh is all about. That they differed seeking They differed for the sake of truth. They did not differ in truth. So that is a wonderful law for us to remember. So that is Imam Shafi rahimahullah's verdict as we mentioned. And uh, the third one would be that a person now does not have the means. For example, that person that he cannot even pay the mahar, he cannot even look after his wife, or physically that he, then in the case that that is not permissible for him to marry because he will make the life of his wife uh, held on this earth. So therefore, in a case like that, Nabi alayhi salatu salam said, Ya ma'ashir al-shabab, man istata'a minkumul ba'a, O you, the group of youth, that whosoever from you has the means, so the means here means the physical and financial means, because what are the benefits? It will make the gaze remain downwards. You will lower your gaze. You will fortify the private parts. Then Nabi went on and mentioned in Bukhari and Muslim, Then whosoever does not have the physical or financial means, then he must fast. So a person like that should fast to crush that desire. For inna soma lahu wija, that fasting will crush the desires of his. Jazakallah Mufti Sahib. Mufti Sahib, another question. Nowadays people delay nikahs for various reasons. Uh, for example, education, maybe someone is busy studying, one of the spouses are studying, or they've got other commitments. Is all these reasons acceptable in Islam? Again, we will have to look at the case, uh, take it on a case-by-case, you know, as I mentioned, if we know that our son is now of marriageable age, and if we're not going to get him married, then he is going to have affairs and haram, get involved in vices. Then Nabi said, The father would also be to blame, not only the son, or for that matter, the daughter also. So when the daughter is telling the father, I want to get married, so in Islam there is no shame. This is our custom and tradition which has no place in Islam. That we feel that we are cheapening our name or our daughter's name. That if we take the initiative and we go to someone and say, come and see my daughter, come and see my sister. You know in the Quran is mentioned that about the incident of Nabi Musa salam, And it said, inni uridu that I want. One of my two daughters, you get married to them, O Musa alayhi salatu salam. These are anbiya and prophets and messengers alayhi salatu salam we are speaking about. We take Sayyidah Hafsa radiallahu anha. Nabi alayhi salatu salam married her. But before that, what happened? Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anh went to Sayyidina Ubaqar radiallahu anh. He went to Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu anh. And he made the proposal. Why don't you marry my daughter? So it shows Islamically that we should take the initiative, not worry about our customs and traditions which have no place in Islam. So that's another important issue. So when our son, daughter tells us they want to get married, so we should try our level best and we have contacts and we have ulama to assist and help us in this regard. So we will say that to delay marriages is something unhealthy, unacceptable, and it is definitely haram in a case where the son or the daughter are involved in vice or they are going to get involved in vice, there the parents definitely should get their children married immediately. 
And if there is not that fear and education and whatever else, so there again we need to look at the circumstances. If that person feels that he or she can complete their studies, they would not fall into vice, we will say it is acceptable, but not something encouraged. Encouraged in Islam is to get married whilst you are young. Ya ma'ashar al-shabaab. Nabi said, Oh, you group of youngsters of youth, Nabi alayhi salam said, La tu akhir fi thalath, as mentioned in Tirmidhi. Three things do not delay. A salat is one, when salat time enters. The janaza, when the janaza is there, then read the salatul janaza. Wal ayyim, and a lady who is not, uh, does not have a husband. So get her married when you find someone compatible for her. So it shows Nabi alayhi salatu salam is encouraging us to get married as soon as possible. How is nikah performed? Especially this question is especially for our mothers and sisters. How do we go about performing nikah? In Islam, and we study the basis of Islam and beauty of Islam, we will find everything is based on simplicity. That's the first principle. Second principle is it's we who bring about so many formalities and we try and you know make it so difficult that a person wants to get his daughter or son married but now he's delaying because what will society say? How will people judge him or her? That they'll feel that people will criticize us. So Islam wants to get away from that. If you take Abdurrahman bin Awf radiallahu an, imagine in today's day and age if someone does not invite me for a marriage, then I get upset. There's no need to be upset. Abdurrahman bin Awf radiallahu anhu in Madina to Rasul gets married. Nabi alayhi salatu salam is there. He's not even aware of it. When he sees some mark on his kurta, he asks him, what is that? He said, Ya Rasulullah, I'm married. Imagine Sahabi in Madina Munawwara gets married. He did not even invite Nabi alayhi salatu salam. In our day and age, that maybe the person, the uncle or the family member or the imam or the mufti might even get upset. Yeah, Nabi alayhi salatu salam, that magnanimous heart. There's no need. And Nabi sallallahu did not reprimand him. So we learn one great principle there. That nikah was taken as something very quick and simple. So in nikah, what we will have, we will have the husband there, the husband-to-be. Then we normally have the wakil, the representative of the bride. And he is taken permission from the bride that he will act on her behalf. We have the two witnesses there, the two male witnesses. And very important, we have the wali. Wali is the father of the girl or the brother of the girl. So these are considered to be the guardians of that girl. So they have given consent. So what has happened is now the imam, the sheikh, the maulana, whoever, so he is there and in front of him will be the zoj, that is the husband-to-be, the wakil, the person acting on behalf of the lady. And then you have two male witnesses and you have the wali. So normally it's good to have the father there and in that way then the nikah is performed that after reading the khutbah in Islam we praise Almighty Allah Azza wa Jalla so the khutbah is read and the khutbah entails the the message and the theme there is taqwa if we want a successful marriage then we need to inculcate the quality of taqwa the greatness and majesty of Almighty Allah in our hearts so we should not take advantage of our wives because we know that we would be accountable on the day of Qiyamah to Almighty Allah 
Azza wa Jalla. So that is the real message of that khutbah and sermon. And thereafter, the question is asked, that from the wakil, that have you taken permission from that lady there so and so, that she will be married to so and so, in lieu of the mahar, that is the marital gift, the people call it the mahar, and we call it the marital gift, that's a better translation in English. So that is also mentioned, and then the boy is asked, the groom, do you accept her? And he says, yes, he accepts her. So it shows it's a very simple procedure. Jazakallah Mufti Sahib, we move over to the next question, and it reads, what is the best day and time to get to make nikah? The best place to perform nikah, as mentioned in Tirmidhi Sharif, is Wajaluhu fil masajid, is perform it in the masjid. This business nowadays, people may have nikah in clubs or in hotels, Allah forbid, in casinos. Obviously, it leaves a bad taste for us as Muslims. It is such a holy and sacred union, and we go to places like that, definitely unacceptable in a casino. But it should be done in a masjid, that is the best. And Friday is the best day, any Friday. If it is Shawwal is nearby, then the month of Shawwal is the best. Otherwise, any month. In Muharram also, you can get married first 10 days. It's totally permissible. There's no problem with that. And uh, after Asr on a Friday is the time of Dua's being accepted. So therefore, we say that that would be the best time. Jazakallah Mufti Sab. Mufti Sab, is there a dua after nikah? In if, if so, what is the dua after nikah? Nabi alayhi salatu salam, whenever he heard or he solemnized the nikah, then after the nikah is to say, Barakallahu lak wa baraka alayk wa jama'a baynakuma fil khair. Meaning that Almighty Allah give you, meaning the two, the couple, partner, He give both of them baraka and fill them with blessing and keep the two of them with khair and goodness. So that was the dua, we, that is the dua we should be wishing and giving to newly wed couples. Jazakallah Mufti Saab for that wonderful explanation. And Jazakallah to you the listener for tuning into the program Al-Fiqh Al-Madahi Bil Arba'ah that is jurisprudence according to the four schools of thought. From myself Muhammad Musa Bera, Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussain, it's Fi Amanillah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.